You are faithful and righteous. You, O Lord, are my refuge. By your mercy you cover me. Under the shadow of your wings, Lord, in your presence I'll remain. You are forevermore the same. You are my refuge, my only You're my God and my fortress. You, O oh Lord, are my refuge. By your mercy you cover me. Under the shadow of your wings, Lord, in your presence I'll remain. You are forevermore the same. You are my You're my light in the darkness. You, O oh Lord, are my refuge. By your mercy you cover me. By your mercy you cover me. By your mercy you cover me. class here tonight on Wednesday nights at the Hartsville Church of Christ and to those of you who are online, uh, we are uh, glad that you came tonight by way of uh, live stream. And on live stream tonight is uh, Sabrina Hughes. We didn't mention about Sabrina, but Sabrina is going to have to be away for just a few months as she takes some chemo and uh, some uh, stuff to help her get better. So keep her in your prayers, and she's on the line with us tonight, along with many others as well. At the back, you have an outline of our lesson for tonight. If you'd like to get an outline, feel free to get one. Also, we have a uh, newsletter 
back at the back, and we're going to briefly go through this newsletter. Feel free, if you didn't get a newsletter, uh, to pick one up. And if you are a guest tonight, we are glad that you're part of one of our Wednesday night classes here at the Hartsville Church. On the inside, as you look at the sick list of our newsletter, uh, you see that Sister Faye Greenhill is still in the hospital and not doing well. Then you have the information about Pete Holly and Bob Crow and uh, Cal Petty. And uh, certainly prayers are requested uh, for them at this time. As you look in the center of our newsletter, uh, there's the information about the food boxes. Notice that uh, everybody apparently has taken a box, and it's due back here on January the 8th. And we extend our sympathy uh, to Keith and Karen Wildman and the death of Keith's father, Rami Wildman. Then if you're interested in going to the uh, family retreat, uh, there's the information about that. Please read it. Also, we will have our first M&M of the year. The date, as you see there, is January the 23rd. That's uh, Monday in ministry. And uh, we'll have the cards out soon. And uh, we'll hope that you'll plan to, to be with us and serve in any capacity that you can. And as we always say, you're going to miss a great meal if you're not here with us. Uh, there's a thank you uh, note on the right side. And I think that's about all that I wanted to, uh, uh, to go through. Oh, the Sons of the King on January the 21st uh, will be going to uh, Top of the River. And there's information about that as well if you'd like to uh, uh, sign up for that and go. All right, then in the 29th, the last... Uh, Sunday of this month on the 29th will be a Super Sunday. So keep that in mind. We'll begin at 10 o'clock. All right, let's go to Heavenly Father on behalf of uh, these folks who are sick tonight. Would you bow with me? Father, we just thank you so much for the time that we can have in your word. We thank you for the privilege of being able to pray for those that we love and, and know so dear. And we do reach out for Sister Faye Greenhill, and we bring her name before the throne tonight. And we ask for healing, Father. We ask that she will certainly get better. We pray for Pete Holly, and we pray for Bob Crow. We pray, dear Father, that um, there will be healing there. And for Cal Petty, we just pray, dear Father, you'll be with this little one. And give him what he needs in his life. Thank you, Father, for just listening to us tonight. And we just pray for so many. There's so many on our long-term illness, Father, that, uh, that hurt. And we reach out to, the, for, to you for them. And we pray for comfort. And we pray for strengthening wherever it needs to be. Now bless us as we enter into our new study tonight. We pray that you'll uh, just open up our hearts and minds and, and help us understand this great prophet. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. Trey's going to come, and he's opening his songbook to 862. 862. Uh, what's that? I'm sorry, 682, 682. 
Trey's going to come, and he's going to lead us in the first and last verse of 682. So I tell you what, let's stand as he leads us in this song. God be the glory. Thank you, Trey. All right, your Bibles are open now to the book of uh, 2 Kings. Uh, we'll be looking in 1 Kings uh, 19 a little bit, and then we'll be looking in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. I was thinking just a day or two ago, we call this on Wednesday nights Bible study. And that's what we do in my class. We study the Bible. And we have just finished the study, uh, actually a quarter study, we won't spend that long on this character, a quarter study on the great prophet Elijah. Now, tonight we come and we see his replacement as we begin about a nine to ten part lesson, a series on the life of Elisha. Uh, been a lot of folks through the years that have gotten Elisha and Elijah messed up. I've seen preachers get them messed up. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I've messed them up. 
Sometimes it's a, a little difficult. You know, they, they, they look so much alike, and there's the Sha and the Ja, and that's about the only difference as far as their name is concerned. Now, when you look at their life, as we'll begin to see, you'll see there's a, a, a big, big, big difference. As we looked at the life of the great prophet Elijah, we saw that he had a remarkable, remarkable ministry. And I hope of all the things that we've talked about, and there are a lot of interesting stories that we looked at in the life of Elijah, I hope the thing you'll remember that his mission was, was to take care of Baal worship. You remember that. Baal worship had been introduced, as we talked about, by Jezebel and Ahab. And they had run out, or tried to run out, everybody and everything about the one God of Israel. And it was a horrible, terrible thing, the worship of the prophet of Baal. And Elijah's mission, as God sent him, was to deal with that. And as we saw, as we ended up in that series, that Elijah did what God wanted him to do. About two or three weeks ago, when we ended up in our story of Elijah, we saw his unusual and fantastic leaving of this old world. We saw him taken up in a whirlwind, in a chariot of fire, with horses of fire. We also learned in our study that Elisha was chosen as his replacement. Now, as good a job as Elijah did in getting rid of Baal worship in the land of Israel, there were still problems. Uh, it wasn't all, you know, smooth sailing after that. Notice as you turn to, uh, well, tonight, the title of our lesson is A Tough Act to Follow. And anybody would know that Elijah is a tough act to follow. But as we look at the passage here in 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, notice what the text says here. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria. In the 18th year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he reigned 12 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother. Watch what happens as we read it on. But he put away the sacred pillar of Baal. Well, that's great. Jehoram comes along, and because of Elijah the prophet, Baal is gone. But notice this, that his father had made. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Just because Baal, a thumb had been put on Baal in the land of Israel, did not mean that all of idolatry was out. Because we see here that uh, the king now, even on the, on the time of Elisha, still held on to the sin of Jeroboam. And we remember we talked about that in our first lesson. And that was bringing in and allowing idolatry in God's land, in God's place. And that was still going on. So, there was in need of a replacement for Elijah. And Elisha is the man. Now, when you begin to compare Elijah and Elisha, 
Elisha is not as well known as Elijah. I'm, I, I could have probably said before we even started studying these, uh, tell me about something about Elijah, and you probably could tell me something. But if I were to ask you to tell me something about what happened with Elisha, I think most of us would struggle because he's just not as popular. Uh, one of the things that I noticed in, in getting, you know, starting doing the research for this uh, series on Elijah, Elisha, I did it, on Elisha, is that, you know, I, I went and got a bunch of books on Elijah and read and read and read. And then I went to get books on Elisha. Not near as many folks. And some of the guys that I really, really like to read, they had books on Elijah, but they had no books on Elisha. Why? Because he's just not as popular. Think about this. Elijah is mentioned 30 times in the New Testament. Do you know how many times Elisha is mentioned? One time in the New Testament. That says something about the popularity or how more popular uh, Elijah was than Elisha was. And we will be spending our time uh, starting, especially next week, as we begin to look at two of the miracles of Elisha. We'll be spending most of our time in 2 Kings. And here's what's interesting, though. Even though he's not as popular as Elijah was, the things that Elisha did are just as amazing and maybe even more amazing than what Elijah did. And here's the thing. In 2 Kings, Elisha is the hero of 2 Kings. We, we think of 1 Kings and we think of 2 Kings and we think, okay, this is about the kings of Israel. Well, it is. But more is said about Elisha in the book of 2 Kings than any of the other kings that are mentioned. There are like 20 incidences, 20, in the book of 2 Kings about Elisha. And most of them have to do with the miracles of, of, of Elisha. Uh, and here's another thing to think about. Even though Elijah was so popular, more popular than Elisha, Elisha's ministry, if you include the 10 years of uh, being apprenticeship with uh, Elijah as part of his ministry, that's like 50 years. And so Elisha had a much, much, much longer ministry than did Elijah. So I find it interesting. I find it very interesting of the popularity of Elijah. And that certainly could be a discussion that could be had about why. In 2 Kings 8, 4, we find this. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Now, this is Elisha's servant. And the king of Israel is talking to him. And he says, Tell me, please, all the great things that Elisha has done. In that day and time, Elisha, the prophet, was a very, very popular prophet. And maybe as popular, if not more so, uh, than Elijah. Now, one of the things, and we're going to notice several differences before we end class tonight about Elijah and Elisha. But one of the things about Elisha and his story 
is that it's just one miracle after the other. We'll see that. As I said a few moments ago, next Wednesday night, we're going to look at the two miracles, the first two miracles that Elisha performs. But they're just one after the other. Elisha will do twice as many miracles. And we saw some, we saw some good ones, didn't we, as we studied Elijah. Elisha will do twice as many miracles than Elijah did. And these miracles we will see. These miracles were what some writers would call helping miracles. And the message of all these miracles that Elijah will do, that we'll look at, the message was that God cares. And if you want to sum everything up, if you want to sum up the message of Elisha over all these next nine to ten weeks, it's this. If you respect God, and if you respect God's message, and if you respect God's messenger, you will be blessed. But if you disrespect God, and you disrespect His message, and you disrespect His messenger, you will be cursed. That's it. You can sum up all these miracles that He did, and the way that He does them. And we will see that unique difference in just a moment. So, get your outlines, and let's sort of uh, work through these out, this outline tonight that you have before you. Yes, it's one of those introductory lessons, I know. It's one of those lessons that you have to have to introduce the series, okay? And sometimes it may not be as interesting as many of these miracles that we're going to read about that Elisha did. But it sets the stage, and we will go over a few passages, very few, but some passages that we went over during the time of Elijah. But it introduces Elisha, and we'll add some things as we look at these texts that we've already looked at that we didn't mention before. So as you look at your outline, the first thing I want us to note is the man that God chose. And this will take us back to 1 Kings 19, and we'll look in verses 14 through verse 21. This is where Elisha first comes on the scene. In fact, uh, Elisha comes on the scene here, and then uh, you don't hear of Elisha anymore, really, until a little later on. But let's, I want you to see how Elisha comes on the scene and how he's introduced uh, in the story of Elijah. First thing we're going to see is Elijah's complaints and answers. And these are a few verses that we studied. Uh, when Elijah, you remember, is in the cave, and he's down and depressed after he left the juniper tree, and he's had that great victory, and, and he begins to make some complaints to God. And you remember what he said? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now God answers Elijah here. And God says, okay, here's what we're going to do. You've got four complaints here, Elisha. We're going to take care of this situation. Notice how God answers these four complaints. The first complaint is, the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Now, as you read on in the context, you go down to verse 15. Notice what God tells you. 
Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness to Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Now here's what's going to happen. And you see this as the story continues to develop in this, in this story. Haziel is going to punish Israel. Elijah's made a complaint, and he said, Man, they've gone against the covenant. He says, Okay, you go down, you point at Haziel. And the reason is because he's the king of Syria and he's going to deal with Israel. Here's the second complaint that Elijah had. They've torn down your altars. Well, in the context there, you keep reading and you find in verse 16, he also tells Elisha this in answering that. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshai, as king over Israel. He says, okay, I want you to do, you take Jehu, you put him over it. Now, you know what's going to happen as the story develops and as you continue to read? Jehu will destroy the dynasty of Ahab and eradicate Baal. They've torn down the altars, and that was what uh, Ahab and Jezebel had done. And God says, here's what you do. We'll, we'll, We'll take care of this. Look at the next complaint that he had. He said, killed your prophets with the sword. Well, God has an answer for that out of this complaint. You keep reading in the context. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. God says, okay. He says, here's what we'll do. We'll we'll deal with this by killing the prophets. And what we'll do is I'll give you a replacement to take care of that. This is when Elisha first comes on the scene. Very quickly, you look at the fourth complaint. And he says, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And here was the answer to that. God t- to that complaint, God said in verse 18 there, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. And we talked about that, if you'll remember. This is where Elisha is first mentioned in, in the whole story of Elijah how he comes on the scene because of Elijah complaining and down and distressed in the cave. And God says, we're going to have a replacement. We're going to have someone that's going to deal with this situation. Now, with that in mind, I want you to look in verse 17 of 1 Kings 19, of this context that we've been looking at. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. There's the answer. Now, what you see as you continue to read in this story is that you notice that Hazel and uh, Jehu, their, their work was physical. Their work was very, very, very bloody. That's not going to be so much the case. I know it says here that... If they don't get killed by, you know, these two characters, then, then Elijah, Elisha will kill them. But Elisha's work as a prophet is going to be far more spiritual. What Elisha is going to do is that he will pronounce doom upon those who are disobedient. What did you, I wanted to see in, in that first context there of Elisha's complaint and answers how Elisha First is introduced to us in the Bible. Now let's look at Elisha's challenge and response. We've looked at this. We're not going to spend much time on this text, but 
we know the story, but we need to see it again and think and keep in mind as we start in the life of Elisha. So he departed. Here's the challenge to Elisha. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. All right. Elisha is now introduced again in the scene, the picture. And we find him in the field plowing. Remember, there's been a drought, and now the rains come back. So you got to get the crops going. He's plowing. Now, you, like, you look at 12 yoke of oxen. That's, as you're looking at it, it seems it's like it's 12 pair. And if you had a servant for each one of those, uh, Elisha comes from a, a pretty wealthy family here. Before him, but he was with the 12. And he says that, Elijah threw his mantle on him. This was like Moses and his rod, so to speak. He threw his mantle on Elisha, and Elisha understood what this meant. He understood the significance, and I'm sure he, had, he, he certainly knew about Elijah the prophet and the significance of the mantle. And it's interesting to me how that Elijah says nothing. Elijah just comes up, and he just places the mantle on the back of Elisha. Probably he didn't have to say anything, and Elisha understood the meaning. That is, that there was to be a replacement. So here's his challenge. The challenge is, I want you to take it up and be my replacement. Let's look at his response in Elisha, in verses 20 through 21. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. He said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? Now some people say, isn't that what Jesus said not to do? You know, then that goes back in Luke 9 and some of those passages of the New Testament about when you make excuses and you shouldn't go back, you know. And, and Well, that's exactly what it was in Luke 9 other places in the New Testament. These were excuses that people make not to go. Elijah was sincere. Let me go back and tie this up and I'll come and I'll follow you. Notice as we continue reading, verse 21. So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he rose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Elisha would now travel for the next 10 years with Elijah the prophet. And uh, we're not going to see Elisha anymore in the story until 2 Kings chapter 2, until the death of Elijah. So for about 10 years, uh, nothing is really said about Elisha. But for 10 years, he is with Elijah. Can you imagine the dramatic scenes that, that he saw and witnessed with the great prophet Elijah? I mean, he was there, all that stuff that took place at Naboth's vineyard, and all the other things, uh, dealing with Ahab and, and all of that. You see, this was where Elisha did his crawling. But what's interesting to me is this. This little phrase right here. In this 10 years, it says he became 
his servant. From what we seem to understand in the Bible, folks, he wasn't like an assistant prophet. He wasn't the associate prophet. But during this time, Elisha was the servant of Elijah. And, and we find this little phrase in the story. But Jehoshaphat said, there is, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Japhat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. That's what servants did. That's what servants did. I find that very interesting that he was more of a servant than he was anything else. But it was here where he got his own the job training in these 10 years with Elijah. And then when these prophets in the school of the prophets that we talked about in our last lesson, now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. Now I understand that this is right after the miracle when Elisha comes back across the Jordan and Elisha and Elijah had gone across and Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind. I understand that uh, what happened here, but let me tell you, it all began back in those early days of those 10 years. All this training and this getting the spirit of Elijah began in this training time with the prophet Elijah. Any comments you want to make about something we've said already about this? Any thoughts? All right, we'll move on to our outline. We want now to see the, the man God approved. And uh, we're going to now move to 2 Kings 2. So take your Bible. And for the rest of our time in um, tonight and, and in, in the story of Elisha, we'll be in the book of 2 Kings. Let's first of all look at an old prophet goes home. And this is basically what we talked about in our last lesson. So we're not going to uh, spend a, a lot of time on this. You remember in our last lesson how that Elijah traveled from Gilgal to Bethel and then to Jericho. It says last 24 hours, remember? And he wanted to go back and see these schools of the prophets and visit these three schools of the prophets. Uh, that's what takes place there in, in the early part of 2 Kings chapter 2. And remember, Elisha wanted to go with him. And, and Elijah said, no, stay here. But Elisha says, no, I'm going. And Elisha insisted on going to all three of these places and to these schools. And together they cross the Jordan, remember, in a miraculous way. Elijah takes his mantle and hits the water, and the water departs, and they go across uh, the Jordan. And there are 50 prophets out of this school of Jordan, and they're watching, and they're seeing all this. And as they walk along, uh, we have this interesting verse here. Is Elisha and Elijah walk along after it. Uh, and so it was when they had crossed over that Elisha said, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. 
That's what he wanted. And remember in our last lesson, there was one condition Elijah gave. He said, okay, you can have it, but what was the condition? Remember? Yes. He says, if you're here and see me when I depart, you can have this double portion. Of course, that happened. And when the chariot of fire came and the horses of fire and the whirlwind came and Elijah was taken up, his mantle was left on the earth. And Elisha put on the mantle of Elijah. And he comes back to the Jordan and he takes off the mantle and he hits the water. Just like Elijah had done, it opens up. And these 50 prophets are seeing him. And he goes across uh, there on the Jordan River. And of course, we know the story, how that uh, these young prophets wanted to go and try to, to find him. Uh, but he didn't and wouldn't or couldn't. Now we notice a new prophet goes to work, Elisha. 2 Kings 13 through 18. He picks up Elijah's mantle, he strikes the water, and he grows across. And the sons of the prophet are watching. And as we pointed out a few moments ago, they saw that the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. They wanted to go and search, remember, for Elijah? And Elisha said no. But they kept on, kept on, so he gave in to them. And they were gone for three days. And they come back and said, we can't find him. And Elisha says, I told you. Did I not say to you that you're not going to find him? It is here that Elisha begins to say to them, Elijah's gone. And you're going to have to accept my word. And maybe put it in new terminology, you got to understand something. There's a new sheriff in town. A new sheriff in town. Now, let's look at the last thing on your outline. The man that God needed. God needs different people at different times. There are times that he needs a fiery Elijah to go in and deal with things like Jezebel and Ahab and Baal. Sometimes God needs a calm in the storm to deal with the situation. Different times, there are different needs. And what we're going to see in the Wednesday nights ahead, we're going to see, because the times have changed, that Elijah is so different than Elijah. But he was just what Israel needed at the time. I want to show you this comparison. This is, this is from uh, several things that uh, I, I read, but I found so interesting that we need to keep in mind as we go and look at Elisha. These are some of the differences. Elijah was a child of the desert. Remember, he had that hairy garment. We talked about how that he was compared to, or John the baptizer was compared to Elijah because he dressed the same way and he was just as fiery as uh, Elijah was. Elisha was a tiller of the soil. And, there's, and we'll look at that. There's a, a place uh, or two in there that explains to us that he just wore ordinary clothing. 
He didn't look like uh, some wild guy out in, in, in the wilderness. The looks were entirely different. Elijah was a recluse. Now, we saw that. We saw him in the wilderness for those three years. Uh, Elijah was not really approachable. I mean, some people did approach him, but not really an approachable kind of guy. He liked being alone. He was hard to find. He was difficult to find. In fact, probably that's why those young 50 prophets wanted to go after Elisha came back across the Jordan and he was alone and Elijah wasn't there. Probably thinking, he's a recluse. He's gone and he's hiding again like he always does. And probably that's why they wanted to go see if they could find him because he was a recluse. Elisha, as we'll see, in, in, in the Wednesday nights ahead, was very, very sociable. Elijah worked outside of the establishment. Uh, Elijah really didn't want anything to do with Ahab, and you could see why. He really didn't have a lot to do with the king, as, you, uh, as we know, as we've talked about. He didn't want anything to do with the government kind of thing at all. He worked outside of that format. What we're going to see about Elisha and his work is that he worked within the establishment. He works more with the king and, and, and more of the, uh, the government inside to bring about God's purpose. Now remember, at different times, you need different people. Elijah personified God's justice. And boy, did that need to happen with Baal and Jezebel and Ahab. I mean, there needed to be justice because of what was going on. But Elisha, as we're going to see in these miracles that he'll perform for people, Elisha personified the mercy of God. I mean, entirely, entirely a different person. You could say that Elijah was lightning and thunder. That'd be a good way to describe, I guess, John the baptizer, too. Elisha was like a gentle, falling rain. Elijah was like blinding light. Elisha was just a steady, calm, burning flame. Elijah was a slashing sword of a warrior. Elisha was a skillful scalpel of a healer. Hmm. Now, there was one thing, one big thing. Now, you can look and get a little picky and find some similarities between Elijah and Elisha. But there's one thing that they had in common. It was one thing that all the great prophets had in common. What do you think that was? It was a fierce commitment to God and His Word. That's one thing they all had in common. And what we see from this is that you, you can have a fierce commitment to God's Word and you can be an Elijah, be lightning and thunder, or also you can have a fierce commitment to God and be a gentle, falling rain. So 
it's interesting when I began to compare these two. And I began to look at this and I thought, wow. But to me, the similarity is they had a tremendous commitment. The point is that Elisha was God's man for that time. I titled this lesson tonight, A Tough Act to Follow. A Tough Act to Follow. Elijah did some spectacular things. And Elijah was the hero, hero of the Jewish people. Now, uh, let me say this. I said a few moments ago, or a little earlier, that Elijah was popular in his day. But it seemed like the legend uh, of Elijah just grew among the Jewish people. And I say that because when you come to the New Testament, we find this in Matthew 17, 10. His disciples asked him, saying, why then do the scribes say that Elisha, uh, Elijah must come first? They thought among the Jewish teaching that before Jesus came, that Elijah was coming back. Uh, that's uh, the hero that they, they thought of. And then, of course, this would enhance their thinking because at the transfiguration, there was Moses and there was Elijah. So it was a tough, tough act to follow. Uh, here's the question tonight. What do you do? What do you do when you follow in the shoes of somebody like that? Like Elijah? What do you do? Do you try to be like Elijah? I don't think so. What do you do? Well, what you do is you do what you can. You take your gifts and you use the gifts that you have. Uh, Elisha doesn't try to copy Elijah in his work. We'll see that. We'll see that Elisha was his own man. And I think when you follow somebody like an Elijah, that's what you have to do. You have to be yourself. You have to be yourself. Uh, and you just got to take your talents and your abilities, and you have to use them in the best way that you can. All right, I've done some talking. We've got a few minutes here. As we kick this off tonight about Elisha, what are your thoughts about some of the things we talked about tonight or anything that you would like to uh, question or anything you'd like to add to this? And somebody better say something because we've got a few minutes. And God can use, and, and to me, what a great lesson tonight is that God can use anybody. God can use anybody. He can use a fiery Elijah. He can use a gentle Elisha to carry out his purpose. That's a tremendous lesson. What other thoughts do you have? Come on. Come on. That was a great point. Harry, Harry mentioned that uh, when you look at the apostles, there were some that were fiery and there were some that gentle. 
they came together and they filled in the voids for each other. God knew what he was doing. Any other thoughts about Elisha? All right, I've already got you so bored and so ready to leave. I guess that's just what we'll do. You don't want to say anything else. You're going to find some of these miracles, very interesting miracles. And something tells me that just as you remember a few things about Elijah's miracles, that when we get through this, you're going to remember some interesting things about Elisha the prophet. And remember how that uh, God used him in his own unique way to bring about his purpose. Any other thoughts? All righty. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll leave. Brother Scotty, lead us in prayer, please. To the heart of worship, and it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you, all about you, Jesus.
See 